Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I am Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. Welcome to my podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot to get into today. Uh, since our last episode, last episode, of course, we had Matt Kibbe on, and uh, he joined us, and I am very thankful that uh, that he accepted to come on the program, and we had a, a great conversation, one of the most, uh, I think it was probably the most stereotypically libertarian episode that I have done, and I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay with that. Um, it was very cultured, and uh, it provided for a very different kind of interview, a, a very different episode that, than what I have typically done in the past. Um, a lot of this show has been about politics and about policy um, and philosophy, but last week's was a good episode because it kind of stepped away from that, not entirely, but uh, for, for the for the... For the main part of it, I like I, I didn't ask him. <laughs> I didn't ask him. So, what are your what are your views on uh, President Trump right now? We we cover that in every other episode and <laughs> interview that that I think I've done so far. So I, I I think it's good that we stepped aside from that. Um, we talked about beer. We talked about um, the drinking age, um, legalizing marijuana, or at least talking about. Uh, the, the medical purposes behind mar uh, medical marijuana. And it was a really good episode, and I really suggest, it's probably my favorite episode that I've done so far, and I really suggest that you go back, listen to that, uh, share it, tag Matt on it on uh, Twitter or on Facebook. Um, but this week we have another important topic to get into because all of our episodes here are obviously important, um, or else I wouldn't do them. But this week, if you haven't seen on Outset Magazine, I have uh, written a series of, uh, it's a little mini-series, if you will, on why and how markets work for the betterment of humanity. Why and how markets work um, to improve our everyday lives from the smallest level of the community, to, of your of your household, of your um, of your family, to all across the world, how it has affected every single person's life for the better. I chose this week very str uh, strategically because Monday, as you may or may not know, or as oftentimes uh, may have forgotten, Monday is International Workers' Day. Um, or is typically called May Day here in the United States. And it is, well, it's, it's first of all, it's a completely socialistic, um, communistic holiday. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. That's what it is. That's, that's what it was founded to be. Um, we kind of celebrate Labor Day the same way most people celebrate this, this holiday. But, uh, it... Uh, Labor Day is much more centered around unions than it than it is pure socialism and pure um, communism. So I figured that this week leading up to that day, that this week leading up to this socialist holiday, there would be no better time to explain in depth 
step-by-step -step how markets, how the free market system works to make our everyday lives wonderful. And it truly is. It truly is. The free market has done so much for, for our individual lives um, from everything, from things that we don't necessarily notice all the time, unless you're like me or um, unless you're like Jeffrey Tucker and you, you go to the grocery store and you look at a package of beef and you're like, wow, this is just beautiful. Look at what the market provides. Um, I'm not exaggerating with that either. If you go back and look through some of his Facebook, that's, <laughs> that's on there. Um, but unless you're like, unless you're like that, you typically uh, take for granted what it is the market does for us and what it is, um, how it makes our everyday lives better. And that's not, you know, that's not out of the norm. People don't typically, they're not typically like me or maybe you, and we don't, they don't think about how free market capitalism has enriched their lives. But if you look throughout history, it is without question that the, that the, uh, the free market economy is to blame, even though I, I don't know who's complaining about it, um, any reasonable person anyway, is to blame for our great riches and great prosperity and peace. But it has to be understood what the free market actually is. The free market isn't, it's not magic, okay? The free market isn't um, a miracle. It's not uh, God, per se. Um, that, that's, that's not at all what I'm trying to claim, and any, any sensible person who actually understands what the free market system is they're not trying to uh, proclaim that this system, above all systems, will fix every single aspect of your life. It's actually quite the opposite. It's actually <laughs> completely different than that. There is no guarantee whatsoever in a free market society that your life will be perfect. It's actually more of a guarantee that it won't be. There is no guarantee in a free market society that, um, that you will live a flawless life, that you will have uh, encountered no problems whatsoever as long as we just get government out of the way. That's not what we are saying, and it should be recognized as such. That is not at all what we are saying. Why is government so bad at Everything. And I mean everything. Why is it that government is so bad at everything? Even the things that they claim and they pride themselves and supposed to be doing, like, like building roads, they can't even do that right. Why is it that government is so bad at everything? It's because we're people. We're humans. We make mistakes. Okay, a free market economy does not, uh, doesn't change the fact that we're human. Quite on the contrary. It accepts the fact that we are human and that we make mistakes. The difference between a free market um, economy and a free market society, 
a society that actually um, prides itself on not needing government to do X, Y, and Z. The difference between capitalism and every other system in the history of the world, from our current system in, in America of, of our republic to, um, to communism, to socialism, uh, fascism, you name it. The difference is, is that a free market society is the only kind of society that accepts mankind's flaws, that accepts the fact that there's never going to be a perfect system. It accepts the fact that you may fail in life, that you're not guaranteed success. A free market society is the only system that accepts it and minimizes it to the individual level. And that's where it becomes so important. That's the difference between free market capitalism and socialism. That's the difference between free market capitalism and economic nationalism. We're seeing both sides become very prevalent this, this year, these, the past few years. Um, if you look over, you know, over, the, uh, over the ocean into what France and, and everything that's going on with them, with Le Pen, that's scary stuff over there. And on the same angle, we have um, socialism in Venezuela. We have our own light version of what's going on there here in the United States with the Bernie movement. Um, and every single one of those systems will try to claim that a singular authoritarian strongman has the answer. Or that if we just give power to the government to fix these things, that's the answer. Well, I'm here to tell you that no, it is not. In no setting would that be the answer. The free market system is so effective because it... It quarantines the effects of, of someone's failure to himself or herself and those that he or she has been dealing with. In a socialist society, one man makes a mistake, everyone feels it. Or in a communist society, the same concept. Even our, even our uh, current system of government that we have today, a the the welfare state, um, the the kind of mentality that that government should at least be involved in the market to some degree, a mixed economy. Even with that, somebody else who has no part, no doing in whatever mistake that has been made, can and will feel the pain when somebody messes up, either. Um, a company gets bailed out because they 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 went too far with what they were supposed to do. They um, a company gets uh, gets their burdens alleviated at the expense of you. It's the forgotten man. That's 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 what is always forgotten. Is is the uh, the economic the economic theory of the forgotten man. 
if you go back and especially if you read books like um, Economics in One Lesson, it goes very much into this idea of government. There's a there's a problem. Government comes in and solves the problem. That's X um, and Y, but the forgotten man is Z, and that is where all the problems are shifted to. Is the forgotten man in a free market system? X, Y, and Z individually must be held accountable for their own actions. You cannot transmit your own problems to the shoulders of X or Y if you're Z. That is what makes the free market system so powerful because it is the only system, the only one, that puts personal responsibility above all. If you want to screw up your life, you can do that. If you want to shoot up heroin, okay, you can do that. You must live with those consequences. There is no such thing as, as an action without a consequence. Sometimes they are good consequences. Other times, not so much. But anytime government is involved, it will say, we will alleviate your pain. We will help you get through this at the expense of someone else. Someone who you don't see right away. Who you may never meet. But we will help you at their expense. This is why... Um, the free market system is so effective at what it does. And I highlight that in, in a few of my a few of my um, additions in this week's series that I uh, wrote for outset. And I wanted to make I, the, the whole reason I did this series was because it's not stressed enough, even whenever um, we have a general understanding that the market system may be, the preferred system, we still tend to make exceptions. We still tend to say, you know what? Okay, fine, government can do this. If the market couldn't do it, when, when, when the problems were very specific to the individual, what makes you think that the same flawed people with much more expansive powers in the government can fix the system? That doesn't make any sense to me. If these are the same flawed people, if human beings are flawed, then that means politicians are flawed. That means government bureaucrats are flawed. That means they cannot fix the problem any more than the company. It makes absolutely no sense. Whenever you um, make the problem very specific to the person, the individual, or the company, that's when they have to be held accountable for their own actions. And um, that's something that I, I touched on in, in the first piece that I uh, wrote for, it was on Monday. And we all know the story of what happened with the United Airlines uh, situation. Some guy, uh, they overbooked their flight and some guy was not having it that day. He had to get home, um, and United said, no, you, you have to go. 
So they brought the police on board and they forced him out. They forcefully removed him from that flight. Now, everybody who I know, everyone who I saw on Facebook and on Twitter, I didn't see, well, that's not true. I did see a few people try to defend uh, United. But for the most part, I didn't see much of anyone try to actually defend United Airlines in this situation. And rightfully so. They, they handled everything the wrong way. However, I'm not here to defend United. I am here to defend the free market system. Because this right here is the perfect example of the self-regulation of the market and how much more effective it is than government uh, regulation and bureaucracy. What happened on that airline, everyone saw, and then... I, I noticed a few, especially on the left, who said, this is why we need the government to regulate so that things like this don't happen all the time, so that things like this uh, won't happen again. Well, the problem with that is that, first of all, that's no guarantee that it won't happen again. If, if human nature is what you're so concerned of, then, then having a bunch of humans in, in charge of government telling them not to do that, that's not going to really fix anything. It's not going to prevent it from happening again. What will prevent it? And it's not, again, it's not a guarantee. But what will make sure they're at least held accountable for their own actions is the reaction that the market has on United. They already have a bad reputation. I don't fly United for a very good reason. I don't like United. I don't want to deal with United. They're just a bad airline. I try to fly Delta if I can, or Southwest maybe. Not United. The difference here in market regulation and government regulation is that the market reacted immediately. Almost immediately. Their stocks plummeted. And they lost roughly about... Um, $255 million in market value. That's a good first step, right? It's a good first step in market regulation to try to make them change their, uh, their ways in the future. Maybe don't forcefully remove, especially in the era of technology and cell phones where everyone has a camera. That's a pretty good, uh, you know, just don't do that. After that... It should be noted that not only um, not only did the market respond, but travelers said that they would even um, they would even rather have longer waiting times and and go to from getting from point A to point B. So in other words, either uh, in other words, they would rather have a really long layover than fly with United and get there faster. United has a bad reputation of, of uh, losing luggage and, and all, all sorts of things. This isn't the first straw. This is, this is the last straw for many people. But what should be remembered is that there are other airlines, because we live in a free market system, at least 
kind of free market system, enough to where we have choices, we have competition. And that, it, and with the way that other, um, with the way that other airlines handle the exact same kind of situations with overbooked flights. For example, Delta announced in the wake of this that they are allowed to um, to keep raising their prices up to about ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars for travelers on uh, overbooked flights. I would take that immediately if it meant getting there a little bit later, and, but getting $10,000? Are you kidding me? That's a no-brainer. Some people cannot miss their flight. Some people have to go um, on that specific flight. That has to be understood. But if I was not one of those, if I if I was not one of those people, I would absolutely take that. That's a market solution to a market problem. Even United said that without any government regulation or intervention, forcing them to say this or forcing them to change their policy in this way, even United changed the policy to say that. Off-duty crew members have secured their seats at least an hour in advance to uh, prevent overbooking. That's not something that occurred from a government mandate. That's not something that occurred because some busybody in Washington said, Oh, no, 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 we can't have this. This is a market, organic market solution. It came directly from the market without any government assistance. And that's the way it should be. Because as long as there is competition, as long as there is um, options and choices, there will always be a check on certain individuals and on certain companies. Nobody is too great to fail. That's incredibly important to remember. But sure, you know, of course, the market may be able to self-regulate itself sometimes. But what about, you know, we just had Earth Day um, and Bill Nye has been in the news for God knows whatever reason. We just had Earth Day. Um, surely the market cannot heal the Earth. Capitalism is the whole reason why the Earth has been in such disarray for so long. Capitalism is the whole reason why pollution even exists. Well, first of all, that's not entirely a true claim at all. Because despite the rhetoric, despite what Bill Nye may, may like to advance in theory, it's actually not capitalism that is the, the greatest polluter on Earth. It's government. And if nothing else, this could be a great um, reason to oppose war, is that it harms the environment. Not only does it cost lives, not only does it uh, cost a lot of money to do, not only does it cripple nations, it also harms the very earth that we live on. Typically in war settings, you're not as concerned about the environment as you are about uh, grabbing and killing the enemy. It's government 
It's government that is the greatest polluter on earth. And that is what I hit on on my second edition. Um, and not only is government the greatest polluter on earth, not only if you care about the environment, you must be focused on limiting the size and scope of government, shrinking the government and letting the marketplace work. Letting the free market do what it does best. Because right now, there is a very strong demand for uh, just not polluting, just being sustainable. There is a very strong demand for that. Sure, coal um, and oil and non-renewable resources still provide the main sources of energy in the United States right now. But that's, first of all, that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I would argue that if you want to work your way toward a, a renewable society where we're completely focused on solar and wind and nuclear and, and all these other forms of technology, I would say that in order to get there, we have to open up uh, oil refineries and we have to let coal mines do their job. Because that will bring economic growth and economic development. And whenever times are good, that's when we can invest. That's when we can, that's when we can grow. That's when we can grow in our knowledge and in our innovation. So we can find ways to get rid and get off of that. But also it should be reminded that the best way to protect the environment, if you're so concerned about a company polluting uh, a river or a lake or something like something like that or the air around you the best way to to protect the environment is to protect property rights if it's your property and somebody whether it's the government or whether it's a company because both are just as liable to do it we all know that from the EPA um, uh, mine leak that occurred what two years ago now almost two years ago we all know that government is just as capable of polluting the air and water as companies are. The best way to protect the environment is protect property rights. Because if, if it's your lake, let's stop pretending like it's the government. Let's stop pretending like, oh, well, you, your, your lake goes into an aquifer and that aquifer goes into federal land and, and that's now that's not really your lake. What? No. It's still my lake. This is mine. I, I've claimed it. I've, I've, I've bought this property. This was on my property. If we really want to get serious about environmental protections, nobody's going to pollute their own land. And if they do, property rights will ensure that it is very, very limited in scope. There's a marketplace for clean and renewable energy that we have to focus on. Capitalism is capitalism and the protection of property rights, which you can't really have capitalism without the protection of property rights. Capitalism and the protection of property rights is the best way to protect the marketplace. Because it's just not, first of all, it's not smart for, uh, or to protect the environment, excuse me. First of all, it's not smart for some company to just dump into the the water 
just dump all their resources into the water, even though the government does that all the time. It's not smart. They have to face the backlash. Like I said in the United case, with the way that, that people have technology today, no company can do that without facing consequences, without having some some news-breaking story that says this company is polluting the water. It's not smart for somebody to do that, especially um, when those are your customers. Those are the people who are, who are buying your, your stuff. They cannot buy your stuff if you are dead or if you are sick. That's just common sense. Now, what about protections from discrimination? Isn't that a job of government? How can the marketplace possibly protect consumers, protect workers from wrongful discrimination? Doesn't that make sense that that would be something that government should do? Well, constitutionally speaking, probably not. But also, it should be reminded that the market can provide for this as well. In fact, the market can punish those who discriminate, those who are bigoted, a lot more effectively than government can. Because government doesn't eliminate bigotry. Just because they make a rule that says you cannot discriminate doesn't make them any less of a bigot. They just conceal it during the workday, and then they go on with their bigoted ways, or their racist ways, or whatever it is. The market fixes it, not by containing symptoms, but by hitting at the root cause of the problem. It removes those, first of all, it's, it's not very profitable, especially in today's society, to be bigoted. It's very expensive to be a racist. It's very expensive to be a bigot. Because you're, if you close your doors to everyone but whitey, that's a big portion of, of, of individuals who you are not reaching. And your competition who opens their doors to everyone, they're going to squash you in a free market. Second of all, liberty, this is something that's very important that, um, that we talked a little bit about last week with, uh, with Matt Kibbe. As a liberty movement, we have to gain back our words that we have lost. One of them is liberal. There's nothing liberal about the left. Another one is community. People today associate that with communalism, communism, socialism. That's not what it is at all. Community is living with each other in a free society as individuals. It's very, very difficult in a community based in liberty when you're forced to, to look at the other person who may be very different from you, but look at them in the face and, and live with them and, and get to know them, it's very difficult for you to hold on to those age-old prejudices. It's very difficult to do that. And those who are able to do that, first of all, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know who, uh, who can do that while living in a, in a community. They must be like a hermit inside their house or something. Um, and that's very possible. But society, but the, the society around them will not accept it. The society around them 
will demand. This this is where the economics come into play. They will have a, a public demand for tolerance. And even if the government doesn't step in to say, no, you can't do that, the marketplace will. The marketplace inevitably will. As long as you have a free market of options, as long as the government isn't so overbearing in their regulation that they actually... Uh, restrict your options to the only person that's left is the is the racist business owner down the street as long as that doesn't happen you're going to have options and that business owner will eventually fizzle out due to lack of business that's what we have to focus on again that's what we have to remember community is incredibly incredibly important in regards to liberty now, uh, today, my uh, piece for today was released. It's on monopolies <laughs> and how the market can fix that. And if you would like to go to that um, and look into what I have to say with that, I ask you to please go and look into it uh, tomorrow. Also, I have a piece on how the uh, free market system is bringing an end to global poverty and that's incredibly important especially uh, right before right before um, International Workers Day incredibly important um, and I ask you please to go through and look through all of all of these pieces the market works the free market works and if you believe that if you want to um, if you want to share that with your friends if you want to share that and share that message, especially right around now. Please go and, and look through my, my series. If you like it, please share it. I encourage you. Also share this episode. Uh, we have a lot to, to cover in the coming weeks. I hope you have enjoyed this episode very much. Um, next week, uh, we will be having a special guest on the program. Uh, and we will be talking about the Republican uh, Liberty Caucus and the National Convention that is coming up here on Memorial Day weekend, I believe. I will be speaking at it. Uh, if you want to see me and you're in Orlando or somewhere near Orlando in Florida, please uh, join me. I encourage you. Uh, there are still tickets available, I believe. Uh, so please come on, and I'll, I'll be talking about spreading liberty through media. And after that, we have uh, Ron Feingold. He's the Israeli Engagement and Outreach Director of Turning Point USA, and we are going to have a very fun conversation with him about something that we haven't yet discussed here on the program, but that does not mean that libertarians do not have a wide array of viewpoints covering Israel. Um, and he's going to make his case about why libertarians and people who believe in liberty should support Israel. So we'll have a fascinating conversation on that. Um, again, if you are going to be in Orlando next month around Memorial Day weekend, I encourage you to come and um, stop by and, and see me during this convention. Uh, and please follow me on Twitter, at Caleb Franz. Please follow the show, at Miliberty. 
Um, and subscribe to us on iTunes so that you will never miss an episode or an update. And we'll see you next week.